series that we started entitled uh, The Walking Dead. Today, uh, we are going to be exploring skeletons in our closet. <clears throat> y'all didn't see that. That was behind the scenes, okay? <laughs> Anyways, I want y'all to be able to see. I'll be getting phone calls this week. I couldn't see to read my Bible. I understand. We're going to hook you up. Anyways, and so today we're going to uh, work right now. We're going to walk through this idea of skeletons in our closet. If you have your Bible, turn to 2 Samuel uh, 11 and 12, and we're in, then we're going to be in Psalm 51. And so we're going to be in a lot of different places today, uh, but I'm going to try not to keep you until 3 o'clock this afternoon. How's that sound? <laughs> now, y'all supposed to be happy about being in church. Come on now. <laughs> Y'all be done had two naps if we stayed here till three. So anyways, all right, um, but we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, today, we're going to be talking about skeletons in the closet. And so what are closets for? Storing clothes. They're good for storing clothes. And so uh, what else are they good for? They're good for storing clothes. These are clean in case you're wondering. They're good for storing clothes. Uh, what else are they good for? Hiding things. That's true. Uh, like Elsa was hiding in my closet. There you go. And so they're good for hiding things. Um, how many have a clean closet at home? <laughs> I'm glad I have a lot of honest folks in here today um, because I hate cleaning my closet because that's like your junk drawer, right? It's like your junk drawer on steroids, you know? Um, now, I I'll be honest with you. Uh, as I've gotten older, I've gotten uh, more particular about where I like things and, and how I like things. And so my closet, actually, I don't even really have a closet anymore. Uh, I have sections of places in, in the house, but I don't really have a closet. Um, uh, but I've gotten weird because I like to know where my things are. I like to know where, where if I'm going to go look for something, I don't want to have to actually go look for it. I want it to be where I put it, amen? And, and so I always had, growing up, though, a messy closet. Uh, my parents would come into my room and say, okay, Jay, if you want to go to Roller World, how many remember Roller World? If you want to go to Roller World tonight, then you've got to have a clean room. And so I'd, I'd be all amped up. I'd come home from school on Fridays around 3.30, and I'd get into my room, and I'd vacuum it, and I would dust it, and I would do everything that visibly would look right to have it clean. My mom would come in, and she'd inspect it, and she'd always do something. Who knows what that is? <laughs> she found my secret stash she would say oh well this looks good she'd even look under the bed and say huh it's even clean under there now if you got your under your bed clean when I, you're at my house and that means you were extra blessed because I never clean under my bed um actually I had, I'm not gonna wrap a trail anyways and so she went to my closet and said but what's in here and I said hmm and then, and then I, I was an atheist, but I was just, please, please, please don't open the closet. Please don't open the closet. And then, lo and behold, she opens the closet, and not only on a regular basis would she open the closet, but things would fall on her because I would clean my room, but it really wasn't cleaning because I was just taking the junk from this spot and moving it to this spot. And so I would pack my closet full of junk, and, and I would just hope that she wouldn't find it there. And so I, I clean my room and shove everything in the closet where no one could see it. Or so, or so I thought. I'd shove everything in there. Surely mom's not going to find my stuff in here. You know, I was a smart kid, right? 
But then I learned something as I, as I grew up. I, I learned to do the same thing with my sin. Come on, somebody. Today we're going to be talking about sin. So I'm going to have to, y'all going to have to help me preach today. I learned to do the same thing with my sin. I take the sin that I have in, the, in my heart. And I, and I learned to stuff it in the closet somewhere. And to hide it. I learned to take the things that I was ashamed of and just push them away. I'd push them in the back and I would hope to God that no one would figure out what my issues were. I'd push my skeletons as far back in the closet as I would get as I could get them. And I'd even think to myself, Well, my sins, my secret sins, they aren't hurting anybody. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands a lot today, but I want to ask you this and don't answer. Have you ever thought that about your own sins? It's going to be quiet today, but it's going to be good. Have you ever thought that about your own sins? We don't talk about sin a lot in the church because, you know, you can't. they say you can't have church growth and then tell people they're sinners, but I think you can't have spiritual growth if we don't acknowledge our sin. I think if we're ever really going to be a disciple of Jesus, we can't just follow him. We also have to pick up our cross. We've got to deny ourselves, and then we get to follow him. If we're really going to grow in our spiritual journey with Jesus, and we're going to grow closer to him, then we've got to identify what's keeping us from him. Some of us have put some things in our closet, and we've pushed them back so far that we've even convinced ourselves that they're okay to be there because they're not hurting anyone. I'd push... I learned early on as a Christian that there are certain sins that it's okay to talk about. It's funny to talk about gossip. Well, it's funny in certain contexts. It's funny to talk about going off on the McDonald's lady because she didn't give you your apple pie in certain contexts. But it's not funny to talk about addiction, is it? You hear over the, you know, through the grapevine in the community that this person did this there this person got arrested for that they're supposed to be a good dad and a good husband but it turns out they're on drugs all of a sudden we're not supposed to talk about that that's not funny and in the church we feel like we have to hide it when our marriages are struggling we feel like we have to hide that because that's not something funny to talk about that's something serious and it's shameful and I learned early on to push sin to the back of my closet and early on a part of my testimony was alcohol but it's because it's not my, my addiction to alcohol it wasn't it's it was okay to talk about because it wasn't necessarily shameful I mean let's just be honest we live in the south almost everybody drinks to some degree or another right or wrong almost everyone does and so it's something that's not really there we don't we don't necessarily think that it's godly but we don't necessarily turn our nose up at it either but if a man comes out in a church and says, hey, I'm struggling sexually, come on, somebody. We don't talk about that. If a husband and wife come to you and they've both had fidelity issues, oh, wait, we don't talk about that. If a kid comes to you and says, I don't believe in God anymore, wait, 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 we don't, we don't do that. And we teach people to shove their sins in the back of the closet. And the problem is that whenever we leave our sin in the back of our closet, it doesn't get dealt with. And I learned early to shove my sin in the back of a closet and just pray that no one would find it. I'd pray that no one would find it. 
I think we all do that. I think we all have certain sins at certain points in our lives. There may be seasons in our lives where we, we, we have victory over it, and then there are other seasons where they have victory over us, and we have sin, and we just push it back to the closet, and in the back of the closet, and pray that no one finds it. We, we put it back there, and then we hide it. We cover it up with distractions, and we put it over with this. And it's okay if I talk to you about my temper problem, and it's okay if I talk to you about how I may have kind of cheated on my taxes last year. It's okay if I talk to you about how I looked at something I shouldn't have when it walking down the road, but it's totally different whenever I admit to you, hey, I may have cheated on my wife. We push that to the back of the closet. Hey, I, 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 I'm a man, and I struggle being uh, attracted to other men. Wait, we don't talk about that. We push that to the back of the closet. And today, I want to share this with you, and I want to walk through this, because these are the things that keep us from the presence of God. We talked last week about the scariest thing in life is not clowns, it's not zombies, it's not terrorism. The scariest thing in life is being separated from the presence of God. And sin comes into our life with an assignment. It's not just to break up marriages, and it's not just to bring addiction, and it's not just to bring shame. It's to bring separation between us and God. You see, the reason that it's important to talk about sin and to walk through it, not judge people, but be truthful about it, is because sin has an assignment in our lives to separate us from the presence of God. And it is the presence of God that is the very thing that will break the hold of sin in our life. we got to talk about it. Somebody say, let's talk about it. We learn to push it to the back of our closets, but the problem is that they never get dealt with. You know, the, we'll talk about the funny stuff, but the bad stuff and the shameful stuff, we push that all the way to the back. And the problem with just covering it up is this, is that pushing it to the back, people may not find it, but I carry it everywhere I go. Whenever I push my sin to the back burner, to the back of the closet, when I leave my skeleton of sin in the back of my closet, it may feel like it's well hidden. But the truth is, is that the chains of sin don't just stay at home. The chains of bondage and of of sin, it follows you and it carries you and it controls you. And so I may think that I'm hiding it and I might think that I have control over it, but the truth is is that I'm not living in the fullness of the presence of God because I am bound to this thing that I think is in the back of my closet and under control. The problem is that we cover it up, but it burdens us down. If you've ever had sin in your life, and there are people in here today, you have sin in your life today. And today you feel heavy. And you wonder, why am I, why, when, whenever I pray, why don't I, why don't I feel like I'm getting through to God? Whenever I, whenever I get to the altar, why is it that I feel like nothing's dying? Why do I feel like I just can't get there? Maybe it's that hidden skeleton that you have buried Maybe it's that unforgiveness that's buried deep in your heart. You know, a few weeks ago, can I be transparent for just a minute? A few weeks ago, I had somebody I was mad at. And I've been mad at them for a long time. And you need good people in your life. I don't mean people that's going to get you into trouble. Like if you say, man, I really don't like this person. 
and then your friend tells you, well, then you just need to call and cuss them out, man. They deserve it. You need to go upside their head. They deserve it. That's not a good friend. That, <laughs> you need to leave that person alone. They need Jesus. This is what a good friend will tell you. See, I was talking to a good friend several weeks ago. And this has been a long time thing. This isn't recent. So uh, look to your neighbor and say, he's not talking about you. <laughs> I don't want anybody calling and say, I know you was talking about me Sunday, Pastor. No, I wasn't. But I was, I was deeply offended by someone. And, and, and I don't complain to a lot of people. I, I, I try to be very positive. But in my personal life, I have very few people that I really because I don't need to. Venting, you know, venting doesn't necessar- isn't necessarily good. Okay, sometimes you got to speak life when you feel like speaking death, right? But I have this friend, and I, I kept complaining about this particular issue. And um, I didn't even realize it was there. But every time I thought about this person, it was painful, and it was frustrating. And I didn't really connect the dots, but, but it, my friend said to me one day, he was listening to me com- complain, and he said, you need to get over it. I'm not going to lie, that ticked me off at first. Would that have ticked you off? You're in the middle of going through your spill about why you're mad about something or hurt about something, and your best friend says, well, you just need to get over it. Would that have made you mad? <laughs> Initially, and then what I did is I defended it. I was like, well, you just don't know. You don't know. You just don't know. And then I was like, wait a minute. After defending it, I realized that he was right. And I needed to get over it. Because... It was burdening me. And it was separating me from God because I had unforgiveness in my heart. You see, whenever we talk about sins in our closet, we automatically go to the dirty and the ugly sins of sexuality and things of that nature and cheating. But what about the sins of of unforgiveness? What about hate? What about malice? What about those sins that We don't talk about a whole lot. They still separate us from God. And maybe today you're you're down and you're heavy because of those secret sins that you don't even like to think of yourself. And I remember, this was several months ago that we had this conversation. And we're going to get to our Bible scripture in just a moment. But then God started doing something. You see, whenever your friends say something like that that makes you mad... You need to go home and pray about it. Because God uses people to speak in your life when you're too hard-headed to listen to him yourself. That's good preaching right there, right? And so, over the course of months, I started praying and I started thinking. And in my head, I had already moved on. I had already forgiven, I already asked forgiveness. But it never got from my head to my heart and into my spirit. And after several months, it was a couple weeks ago, God began to minister to me. And he said, Jay, it's time that you forgive this person because you're allowing this unforgiveness to separate you from my presence. It was the scariest thing that God had said to me in a long time. And that's really what's kind of spawned this message. It wasn't Halloween. It was the fact that I, it was revealed to my heart how scary it was to be separated from the presence of God. And today I, I want to tell somebody, you need to 
just, you need to check your heart. I, I love that scripture by David where he says, God, search me. And if there's any wicked way in me, show me. That's so good. That's so good. And so whenever I was dealing with this unforgiveness, I didn't realize it, but it was burdening me down. Do you feel burdened today? Don't answer me. I just want you to pray about it. Do you feel heavy? Maybe there's something in your life that you need to deal with today. Maybe there's something that God is trying to pull out of your closet. Maybe there's a skeleton that you've hidden away so well, maybe you've even hidden it from yourself. See, here's, here's the problem. The more we work to hide our sin, the further away we push God. The more that we work to hide our sin, the further away we push God. Why is that? Because essentially this is what we're saying. God, I know I have sin in my life, but I would rather hide it than face it, and I'd rather have that and cover it up than have your presence. You see, we can't have sin in our life and have God. There, the, the devil comes in and he convinces us that as long as it's not hurting anyone else, and as long as no one else knows about it, then it's okay. But the truth is, is that sin always hurts somebody, even if it's just you. And the thing is about hidden sin is it will suck the life out of your walk with Jesus. It will suck your joy out. It will suck everything good out of your walk with Jesus, and you'll be left miserable. And so you may feel like, well, my sin isn't hurting anyone, but I'm telling you today, yes, it is. It's hurting you. And the more we work to hide it, the further we go from God. You see, today, it's hard preaching on sin, isn't it? But it's so good. See, to me, preaching on this, even, even ministering to myself whenever I was going over this, this was so good to me because I feel like when we talk about sin for what it is and we explore the Bible, it doesn't bind me up. It doesn't depress me. It frees me. You see, knowledge is freedom. Whenever I know that there's something wrong and then the Bible tells me here's how you fix it, that is very freeing to me because whenever I'm bound by sin and no one's telling me about it, then I just feel like I'm going to be bound for the rest of my life. But when someone gets up and says, hey, sin is bad, but there's an answer for it. Oh, man, I've got hope then. And i got to tell somebody today that there is hope for you in the middle of your struggle, in the middle of your sin. And if we want to live in God's presence, we're going to have to clean out our closets. If we want to live in God's presence, we have to clean out our closets. And we have to be honest with ourselves about what's in them. What's funny is I pulled out, you know, shorts and and uh, Princess Elsa, <laughs> and that's that's cute. But honestly, if I were to go through my spiritual closet at times in my life, the skeletons would be a lot uglier. What about you? There were other times in my life where if I were to go through here, you know, I, I'd pull out. Well, here's. Here's pornography, I, I need to hide that way in the back. And here's my, my hate, I need to hide that too because no one wants to, no, ain't nobody got time for that, you know what I'm saying? I need to hide that way back here. And I thought I had it under control, but the truth is, is all it was doing is separating me from God. Because if I'd been working as hard to deal with it as I was to hide it, I'd be a lot further along. We have to be honest with ourselves about where we are. Let's go to the Bible, if you have your Bibles open. We're not going to read all this. You're like, we're reading three chapters today? No, chill out. We're going to get there, though. 
verse 11 in 2 Samuel says this. In the spring, somebody say, in the spring. At the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained where? In Jerusalem. And we're going to paraphrase from there because we're going to cover a lot of territory. And so here we see something interesting. Now, before I get into this, I need to tell some people some things. First of all, the truth is that people throughout all the Bible sinned and tried to hide it. I was actually praying about it, putting this sermon together, looking for good examples of, of what to use and how to teach this. And, and what I found is there's a lot of people in the Bible that would sin and then try to hide it. So we aren't the first to do it. Isn't that good news? And, and I think of people like Adam and Eve who sinned and tried to hide it. I think of Cain who killed his brother and then said to God, uh, I ain't my brother's keeper. Where is he? You tell me where he's at. Cain was crazy, uh, obviously. And so there are we're not the first to, to sin and then try to hide it. Um, but we have to realize that uh, that our sin, hidden sin, uh, big and small, will separate us from God. And so um, as we go into this chapter, we see that David is supposed to be at war. And, and the thing we have to understand about this chapter and the way that it's put together is it looks like David was supposed to be at war. It wasn't. And, and, and then he ran into Bathsheba. But the truth is, is that he ran into Bathsheba, and that's why he wasn't at war. And so we got to understand that context to really understand, you see, whenever you step into sin, it'll pull you out of your purpose. That's good. Because, you see, David was supposed to be at war, but one day before David was supposed to go off to war, he walked out and saw a woman naked on the roof and said, hmm, fighting guys, hanging out with her. I'm choosing her. That's what happened. And so David was supposed to be away at war, but he ran into this woman at Bathsheba, and he said, I'm going to stay here. You see, whenever you get into places you're not supposed to be, you're going to get in trouble. You see, sometimes we invite trouble into our homes. We invite bondages into our homes because we are not protecting ourselves and doing the things we're supposed to be doing. Praying, loving on my wife instead of just leave it there. And so David should have been at war with his army, but he was at war with himself, struggling with sin. And so he, he saw this woman on the rooftop. It's a very familiar scripture. We saw this woman on the, on the rooftop, and uh, he walks outside, looks at the bird. Oh, it's a pretty day. Huh, it's a pretty day today. Uh, whoa, what is that? Huh, hey, servant, who is that? I want one. Pretty much what happened. They said, well, let me, he said, go find out about this woman. He went and found out about her and said, hey, that's Uriah's wife. And David said, hmm. He went and found another servant and said, hey, bring that one here. I want that one. Even though he knew that she, she was already married. And, and then he brought her in. He romanced her. He slept with her. Sent her home. <laughs> Anyways, a lot of barroom talk just went in my head, and you, you should be proud of me. I held it in. Anyway, so he, he slept with her, sent her home, didn't talk to her anymore. But there came a day when something happened, scared David to death. She came back and said, uh, I'm pregnant. And all of a sudden, David's, David's got baby mama drama. He doesn't know what to do because he's supposed to be the king. He's supposed to be holy. He's supposed to be the guy that, that holds this whole thing together. And all of a sudden, he has slept with one of his best soldier's wives and gotten her pregnant. And then David starts working on a plan. You see, whenever we sin and we mess up, we really don't want to admit how messed up we have been. 
We like to hide our sin. We'd rather find a way to hide it than face it. And so David said, well, I tell you what, send for Uriah, bring him home. Comes home, says, Uriah, I want you to go hang out with your wife. Be with her. I appreciate all you do. Sends him home. Well, he says, no, I'm not going to do that. I, I, my, my friends and my brothers are out there dying and fighting and sleeping in tents on the ground. I'm not going to do that. And so he sleeps outside of his wife's house, refuses to go lay with his wife. I'm sure David's like, are you serious? How am I, what am I going to do now? She's going to start showing soon. So the next day he calls her back. Not calls her, calls him back. And he has a party with him, eats with him, feeds him, gets him drunk. <laughs> Thinking that this will be the way he can get him to go home and sleep with his own wife. But Uriah is a good dude. He's like, you know, I'm not going to do it. And my brothers uh, are out there fighting and I, I refuse to sleep with my wife while they're out there dying and fighting for our country. So again, he sleeps outside on the ground. And David gets frustrated because he's like, man, how am I going to hide my sin? It's funny how we get frustrated whenever we're trying to hide our sin from people. It's funny how when people try to come into our lives and we get frustrated with them when they start trying to point out things in our lives that we may need to work on. I need to tell somebody today that you need to trust your friends. Look to your neighbor and say, I trust you. Unless you don't. Don't lie in church. <laughs> But seriously, whenever you have people close to you and they say something to you that may be challenging, I encourage you, pray about it. Now, there are people that they can say whatever they want to to me, and I'll smile and say thank you, and it'll go in one ear and out the other, because you don't just need to let anybody talk to you. They don't know your life. They don't know your situation. They don't know things. But there are people that know you, that you trust, and whenever they bring something challenging to you, you need to listen. I need to listen. I don't want to all the time because I'm right all the time. And so, and so he, uh, he's, he says, what am I going to do? He's fighting to keep this hidden sin a secret. Anybody else ever done that? Something you were so ashamed of, you're like, man, I've got to keep this hidden no matter what. And whenever you get to that place, whenever you're trying to hide sin, it'll make you do things that you never thought you would have done. Before I go any further, I want to talk about David for a minute. Because David was not a bad person. You see, David was still the man that was after God's own heart, according to the Lord. He was still the young boy that was anointed by Samuel to be the next king of Israel. He was handpicked by God. And, if, and, and the thing I have to remember is that whenever God anointed him as king, he knew at that moment that this David would also be sleeping with Bathsheba. But still, he was chosen by God because God sees time laid out flat in front of him. And so even though God knew this was going to happen with Bathsheba, he still chose him in his father's house as a young boy. And we have to remember about David that he was still a man after God's own heart. He was still the same man that went to bring his brothers cheese. And whenever they got there, there's a Philistine uh, uh, war going on. And there's a guy named Goliath that was fighting and everyone was, was afraid of him. He's still that same man that went into the middle of that battle and killed the giant when everyone else was afraid. He's still the same man that danced and praised the Lord so much that his wife got embarrassed and he had to say to her, I love God so much, I'll even get more indignified than this. The same David. And the reason I want to remind us of that is because people will judge us by our mistakes before they will our victories. 
There may be people in your life and you're afraid to admit your failures and you're afraid to pull things out of your closet because you're afraid of what people will think. Well, i got to tell you something. It doesn't matter what they think. Because whenever I go to heaven or whenever I die, nobody's going to go with me and help explain why I kept sin in my closet just to save face with people who aren't going to go to eternity with me. That's why we used to talk about bobby pins flying and stuff. How they'd say they, don't, they, they weren't ashamed of praising the Lord. We also can't be ashamed. We can't be afraid of facing our shame. And so David, he's like, what am I going to do? So he, he comes up with this diabolical plan. You know, I hear about things all the time because people talk. You hear about this person cheating. You hear about this person murdering somebody. You hear about this person getting arrested for drugs. You, you just hear things all the time. And people, people are so harsh with what they hear. And it's so funny to me how they're so much harder on the people they hear about than they are on themselves. Mm, that's good right there. So David... What am I going to do with this? Makes him do things that never thought you'd do. That's kind of what sin does with us. Because David, this is what he did. He said, okay, well, I'm going to send this guy to to war. He's going to go to battle. And I'm going to put him on the front lines. I'm going to put him in the most dangerous of situations so that he'll die. This was a murderous act by David. He knew exactly what would happen. And even his commander, he asked, he's like, why would you do that? Because he's a good guy. If you send him here, he's going to die. And he just said, look, you just do what I've told you to do. That doesn't even sound like the same guy that was a harp player taking care of sheep, does it? Sounds more like Saul. That sounds like, that's exactly what it sounds like. It sounds like something Saul would do. The guy that David replaced because he went crazy. Sin will make you go crazy, won't it? Covering up sin will make you go crazy and it'll make you do things you never thought you'd do. And Saul, or not Saul, David, he said, send him to the front lines. And sure enough, he died. And immediately, to try to cover up his sin, he sent for Bathsheba and he married her. And the Lord heard about it. I need to tell somebody something today. You may think your sin is hidden, but eventually it's going to come out. I'm not saying it's going to be public because we're going to talk about what God said to David in a minute, but it'll come out. And from experience, it's better for me to admit my sin than to get caught in my sin. I'd much rather my daughter run to me and say, Dad, (laughs) I don't know if I'd rather either now that I actually say this out loud, I'd rather for my daughter to come up to me and say, Dad, I hit my brother, than for me to walk in the room and catch her with a spoon in her hand and say, ah! <laughs> I think either is bad, but at least one is repentant, right? Or scared because she knows she's going to get a spanking. It's going to come out. And so Nathan, the prophet, gets a word from the Lord. And the Lord says some things to him um, he, he gave him a story first he said look there was this 
there's these two guys, and one of them had one sheep, I think, and another had, it was a rich guy, he had lots of sheep. Came to David and said this to him, gave him the story. He said the one with one sheep only had one, the one with a lot of, had a lot of money, had a lot of sheep, and, and the guy with a lot of sheep said, hey, we need to make a sacrifice. And so the guy with a lot of sheep said, let's sacrifice your one. He took the one from the poor guy and sacrificed his sheep while he had plenty. Then Nathan said, what do you think about that? And David, in his self-righteousness, because we're always harder on others than we are on ourselves. Come on, somebody. He said, he said, well, we need to go find this guy. He, is, he, he needs to be dealt with. And he needs to pay like four times the amount that it costs for that sheep. This whole conversation's happening while David has his own skeletons in his closet. You know what sin does when we're hiding it? It makes us really harsh. Whenever we're hiding sin in the back of our closet, it makes us really hard on other people. Because we're so upset with ourselves, we take up the we take out the anger we have on our own actions on other people. And Nathan said something. Some of you have friends that say things like this to you. I, I know I do. I need them. I want them. And and I, and you need to pull them close to you. He said, "Hey, uh, David, this guy is you. You're the rich one." And then and then he began to share with him what. What, what God shared with, with Nathan, he said, God said some things like this, I gave you everything you wanted and I would have given you more. He said, to, he said to David through Nathan, you had Uriah struck down by the sword and so now the sword will never leave your house. Out of your own household, I'll bring calamity on you. You know, there's grace for our sin, but there's also payment. There are things that we have to deal with because of the mistakes that we make. I'm going to t- and this is this is crazy. This is this is really this is really wild right here. This is what God says. He says, "I'm going to take your wives." This is so wild. "Give them to someone close to you, and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight." <laughs> He said this, you sinned in secret, and this is the word of God, this is not paraphrasing, this is copy and paste, okay? You sinned in secret, but I will do this in broad daylight for all of Israel to see. Isn't that scary? Isn't that scary that if there's unrepentant sin in my life, that God, and and I don't want you to misunderstand this, God wasn't pleased with making a fool of David. But it's his last resort. You ever heard that that saying that sin will take you further than you ever thought you'd go? There are so many pastors that I know that they had public repentances, but and they and they were caught red-handed, and people will talk about that a lot. But sometimes that's what that's that is the grace of God to get caught in your sin. It is maybe the grace of God whenever we have sin in our lives and we're refusing to take care of it and then God points it out and he reveals it because maybe that's the only way that we will get our hearts right. Maybe that's the only way. And so we have to understand God wasn't mad. He was fighting for David. 
is fighting for David. And so, and then Nathan said a few, said a few more things. He said, I'm going to take your wives. You've said in secret, but, but I'll do this in broad daylight. This is what David said. Immediately. He repented. Right then. I'm going to get ready to close with this. So if someone would come play for me. David was forced to look at his sin for what it was. David was forced to look at his sin for what it was, and it was ugly. Sometimes we put things in the back of our closet, and we just look over them. Kind of like when you've gained weight. What do you do when you know you've gained weight and you walk by a mirror? Yeah, you just, like, if, if, if I know there's a mirror, I'll just say, come on, somebody. Unless I've been working out for three days, and I'm like, hmm. And so David was forced to look at his sin for what it was, and it was ugly, and he didn't like it. But it saved him. Because when he looked at it, Bible said he repented right then and today that's what I want you to do you may say well Pastor Jay there's a lot of Christians in here there's probably a lot of bondage in here too why because we do exactly what I've been talking about we're so afraid of what our Christian brothers and sisters are going to think of us We'd rather hide our skeletons in the back of the closet instead of facing them. And then we wonder why our praise and worship dries up. Not corporately, but individually. Why can't I feel God? And then we start blaming people. Maybe the preacher ain't preaching the right thing. Maybe it's the sound system. Maybe it's the lighting. Maybe it's the worship leader. Maybe it's the songs. You know what? The presence of God is the presence of God, regardless of what's in the air, what's light in the atmosphere, or who's singing the song, or what song's being sang. The presence of God is always the same. What changes is our closeness to Him. And don't, conf- don't grab that and make that about something it's not. This is about whether or not sin is separating me from God. David was broken and he repented. And Nathan's had bad news for him because sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll grab Bellany because she's done something wrong and she'll apologize. She's really sweet. I'm, I, I, she gets it from her mama, I guess. And, and before I spank her, she'll apologize and she'll cry. She's my kid I can look at and she'll cry. Anybody got one of those? Liam, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with Liam. I'm going to have to keep lifting weights. That's what I'm going to have to do. But sometimes she'll come to me and she'll apologize. And she'll be crying and she, and she hopes that because she's repentant that there's not going to be a payment for her sin, for her mistake. But daddy's still got to spank that bottom, doesn't he? Sometimes I'll let her off just to teach her a lesson about grace. Literally last night, I said, okay, you hit your brother? She said, yeah. I said, what has to happen? She's like, I got to get a spanking. And so uh, this is just a little side note. You can use it or not. Maybe I was wrong. I acted like I was going to spank her. I said, one, two, three. And she was crying. Oh! 
She was scared. She started crying. Every time I said another number, she started crying louder. And on the last one, I, I stopped. And I said, I want to teach you something. And she said, what? I said, you deserve a spanking. But I'm giving you grace. And I said, God does the same thing for us. We deserve to be spanked when we do wrong. But thank God that he gives us grace. I don't do that all the time. That was a Holy Ghost moment. <laughs> don't think I'm a perfect parent. I'll be beating my kid. Pop. Wait, this is live stream. Cut it off. <laughs> if I'm not here Sunday, I'm in jail. Come bail me out. <laughs> Anyways, but he said something to David, and I'm closing very quickly. I mean, it's 15 minutes from now. He said, David, I'm glad you repented but your baby's still going to die. The Lord's going to take it. That sounds mean. Now, I'm not going to go into whether or not God was right or wrong for taking the baby. But it reminds me of this. Sin always produces death. Always. Doesn't matter how pleasurable it is. Doesn't matter how pretty it looks. Sin always produces death death. Paul said the wages of sin are death. And so what do we do with this? What do we do with this? If you have a bulletin, I want you to grab it. If you don't, grab a piece of paper, grab a tithe envelope, grab something you can write on. What do we do with this? God is good, sin is bad. I mean, honestly, to sum this whole sermon up, that's it. God is good, sin is bad, we need to get it out of our lives. How do we do that? Grab that piece of paper and, and hold on to it because we're going to do something with it. What do we do with all, with all this? What do, we, what do we do with our skeletons? First of all, we need, to, we need to make the decision to deal with them. I'm going to give you four things real quick. I'm letting you go. I promise I'm not going to preach them. I'm going to tell them to you. First of all, understand that God loves you, even with skeletons in your closet. That's so good. My skeletons don't disqualify me from his love. In fact, whenever I have skeletons in my closet, he'll come into my closet with me and help me deal with them. So the first thing I have to remember is that God loves me even with skeletons in my closet. The second thing that I have to do, don't write this on your piece of paper. This is for your personal notes. The paper's for something else. The second thing you need to do is you need to face it. You gotta face it. I remember whenever I finally decided to face pornography publicly, I was, God had been dealing with me and, and, and I was struggling with it. I told you I almost quit ministry because I couldn't get over it. This is early, early on in my ministry. But God told me I had to face it. And, and guys, you gotta face the skeletons in your closet. They're like cancer, they'll just grow if you don't. Next thing is one we don't talk about a whole lot. We gotta repent. Sounds like a church word, doesn't it? Because we don't hear it a lot. Repent. That's where you don't just ask forgiveness, you turn away from it. Ask forgiveness. We move on. If you read Psalm 51, and I don't, I don't have time to do it today. Psalm 51 was written in the aftermath of losing his baby. David wrote it. And he was broken. Because... Facing our sin, it breaks us. But it's necessary. And my question for you today is what would your life look like 
What would your journey with Jesus look like if you invited God into your closet to help you deal with your skeletons? What would your journey with Jesus look like if every skeleton you had, every secret sin that you've been hiding, you just gave it to Jesus today? David said something in Psalm 51. He said, only against you, God, have I sinned. And he said, create in me, Lord, a pure heart. And don't take your presence from me. The scariest thing in life is to live outside of the presence of God. And maybe that's you today. Your sin has separated you and there's skeletons in your closet that you haven't wanted to deal with. But today I'm telling you, God is saying it's time to deal with it. Somebody say, deal with it. Say we're going to do something different. If you have your piece of paper, and I want you to be honest, the scariest thing for me after an altar call is after somebody's giving you an opportunity to make a decision and you skip it. Somebody say, don't skip it. Say it again, don't skip it. You should take that piece of paper separately. If you're a couple, you need two different pieces of paper. You should tear it out of your bulletin or tear off a piece of it, wherever you got, wherever you got, whatever you got. I'll get it right eventually. And I want you to pray right now. Everybody in your own space right now, I want you to just start thinking and searching your own heart. I want you to start thinking about the skeletons that you have in your closet about the secret sin that you have in your closet that you know you need to deal with and I want you to write it on that paper don't put your name on it we're not going to call you and pray for you or anything like that We're not going this is between you and the Lord I want you right now to acknowledge that sin. That's what this is about. This isn't that it's a magic formula on this piece of paper. I want you to acknowledge your sin right now that you've been hiding. And I want you to write it on that paper. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds to pray and think about that. Because I preach what I, I live what I preach, I wrote one too. I want you to stand with me. I know that this is different. Nobody leaving right now. If you're, if you're here, stay here. KFC ain't moving. It's still going to be there. But today, this is what I want you to do. 
I believe in order to, to overcome a sin, we have to face it, and then we have to give it to God. You see, when as soon as we get saved, the Bible teaches us that the blood of Jesus breaks every chain off of our life. The Bible teaches us that the blood of Jesus unlocks the, 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 the chains that would bind us. And a lot of times we just don't walk it out. Sometimes we get caught. Sometimes we put the chains back on because we think they look or feel good. And this is what I want to do today. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you wrote something on a piece of paper... like I did in just a moment after I pray I want you to bring that piece of paper I promise you no one's going to look at these papers just between you and the Lord this is an altar this is where we lay things down to die to sacrifice to the Lord say God you have to take it I can't do anything with it if you wrote something on that piece of paper I want you in just a few moments to bring it down to this altar as a sign saying, God, I'm giving it to you. Symbolic of, God, I can't fix this, but I admit it right now to you, and I repent, and I want you to help me. Let me pray. Father, Father, I pray for this church. I pray for myself. I pray, God, that you would convict. Father, conviction is so good because it pulls things out of us that are not pleasing to you and that are harmful to us. Father, today this is not about shame. This is about freedom. Freedom from the skeletons in our closet that are there on assignment to separate us from your presence. Father, there are some that today, they don't want to do this because they don't want people to know they've got issues, that they've got sins. I encourage you to, God, I, I pray that you give that person courage. That they would place the priority on your presence and not on people's opinions. Father, for every person that comes up in just a moment, lays down a piece of paper at your altar with their sin on it with their skeleton I pray for freedom Lord we love you we thank you in Jesus name everybody said amen this is what I want to do I'm going to be down here at the altar and if you'd like me to pray for you uh, I'll have Christina come up and she'll help me pray we'd love to pray for you but today, this is what I want you to do. If you have a piece of paper, I want you to come down just lay it at the altar. If you want to stay and pray, you can do that. Um, if you want to head out, you can do that. This is, this is going to be the way we close service today. If you need to stay around and, and seek the Lord, I encourage you to do that. If you need Christine and I to pray for you, we'll do that. But right now, if you have your piece of paper and you want to come lay it down, I want you to do that right now. Otherwise, you're dismissed after this.